Welcome to Humanity's Moment of Choice here on the Convergence on Voice America. The Voice America series dedicated to the work and areas of engagement of the Evolutionary Leaders Circle, a project of the Source of Synergy Foundation. This is your Voice America host, Dr. Kurt Johnson. This Voice America special, Humanity's Moment of Choice, The Great Upshift, points to and shares from an important international event of the esteemed Galileo Commission, December 29th to 30th, 2023, featuring contributors to the important new book, The Great Upshift, Humanity's Coming Advance Toward Peace and Harmony on the Planet, Roadmaps for Planetary Activists, by two-time Nobel Peace Prize nominee Irvin Laszlo and David Lorimer, Chair of the Galileo Commission. The Galileo Commission was founded in 2017 to expand the worldview of science. 90 advisors representing 30 universities worldwide published the well-known Galileo Commission Report, which is available in both academic and general public versions, entitled Beyond a Materialist Worldview Towards an Expanded Science. Contributors to the Great Upshift agree we have reached a historical turning point, a point of bifurcation, at which we must find new ways to upshift our individual and collective consciousness to ensure the desired resolution of world crises. The Great Upshift offers roadmaps for all of us to do this. This vital book is a compendium of insights into solutions for our world troubled by climate change, conflict, and unsustainable conditions, and calls for our conscious participation in universal values of love and care that we all share, and which point us toward a world that works for all. We are so pleased to be joined by David Lorimer, Chair of the Galileo Commission, as co-host of this Voice America special which features first David Lorimer and Dr. Irvin Laszlo, and then in order of appearance, Ben Bowler of Unity Earth, three-time Nautilus Award winner, Dr. Robert Atkinson, and then from the 35 thought leader contributors to the book, in order of their appearance, renowned authors and influencers, Jude Kuravan, Anilo Smitsman, Charles Eisenstein, Natalie Zaituni, Alfred Desaius, and Bruce H. Lipton. So let's go over to that conversation now. So let's welcome David Lorimer, chair of the Galileo Commission and organizer of the Galileo Commission event, December 29th to 30th, celebrating the book by Irvin Laszlo and David Lorimer, The Great Upshift, Humanity's Coming Advance Toward Peace and Harmony on the Planet, Roadmaps for Planetary Activists published in October by the Light on Light Press. So David joins us as co-host on this Voice America special, discussing this important content with the global thought leaders who are joining us. So David, thank you and welcome. And let's start first by asking you about the Galileo Commission, you and the others' roles in it, what it is, its vision and mission. So tell us about that. 
Yes, thank you very much, Kurt. Well, let me say that the Galileo Commission is a project of the Scientific and Medical Network, which was uh, founded in 1973. So we are celebrating our 50th anniversary Golden Jubilee this year. And so we've been exploring this interface between science, consciousness, and spirituality for all that time in various different ways, including the mystics and scientists conferences that have been going <clears throat> since 1978, and the Beyond the Brain conferences that have been going since 1995. The Galileo Commission was initiated in 2017, and we had a, an academic report written by Professor Harold Vallach uh, on how to expand science and the science of consciousness in particular beyond a materialistic worldview. Uh, and the reason it's called the Galileo Commission um, is that we're inviting scientists really to look through the telescope, um, metaphorically speaking, um, at the uh, huge amount of evidence there is for other levels of reality, um, much larger concepts of consciousness, survival of consciousness, children remember previous lives, a whole spectrum of human experiences and research on these human experiences, such as the University of Virginia, for instance, um, which has been going on for decades, but is really unacknowledged by conventional mainstream science, and which is dominated by scientific materialism, which finds it very difficult, if not impossible, to explain um, these sorts of phenomena, um, because they just don't fit in with the premise that, that you find in philosophy, psychology, neuroscience, that the brain generates consciousness. It's looking much more now uh, like the brain is a transceiver of consciousness, uh, a filter of consciousness, uh, and that allows for the possibility of all these kinds of experiences to be explained within a larger framework, and also for the possibility of survival of death uh, and uh, reincarnation. Yeah, absolutely fascinating, David. And so tell us now about the Galileo Commission event that's celebrating the book by you and Irvin Laszlo, The Great Upshift, which is going to be held on December 29th to 30th. So what is the content of the event, and who are the global thought leaders who are joining you, and what is this amazing message of The Great Upshift, and how can our listeners become more aware and more involved in this evolving landscape of transformative change that's unfolding all around the world? Well, we've had a number of what we call Galileo Commission summits. Um, the last one was, in fact, on synchronicity. And the one before that was entitled Transcendence, Not Transhumanism, which is a sort of evolutionary question. And so this, this one is celebrating the launch of The Great Upshift, edited by Irvin and myself, which consists of 35 of our world's leading thinkers mapping a positive path forward to a brighter future than than we get in the news every day. Uh, and the premise really is that we've reached a, a, a turning point or a tipping point in human evolution. And, and we really have to go with the trend of evolution towards more complexity, more interconnectedness, but also bring the inner dimension along. And, and not think that humans are simply machines that need to be upgraded. So the vision of the Galileo Commission and of this event uh, is that we are multidimensional beings and, and that we our fulfillment lies in 
that kind of potential, um, which also involves you know, helping and serving other people. So we've got four sessions um, starting in the um, late afternoon European time. First one on the big picture, um, which, uh, Kurt, you are chairing with Irvin and uh, recording with Greg Braden, Bruce Lipton, and Dr. Jude Caravan, Dr. Kingsley Dennis. Then we're going on to healing and upshifting ourselves, which is very important. And Bob Atkinson will be chairing that. And we'll have Lynn McTaggart talking about healing the world from the ground up. And, and an amazing panel with Satish Kumar from Resurgence, Maria Sagi, the doctor, and Elena Mustakova, uh, who has uh, written about unitive justice. And then on the Saturday, uh, we're, we're looking at... Um, the theme of upshifting our thinking. And we've got a young person, or much younger person, Arabella Thais, in pole position here. And, and we've got uh, Irvin's son, Alexander Laszlo, Anna Bakia on intuition, and Natalie Zaituni on what she calls insolment, which is also, I believe, part of this program. And then finally, Annalise Smitsman uh, will be uh, chairing the last session on mapping our path forward and we've got Thomas Legrand on the politics of being, a recorded video with Charles Eisenstein about the two stories of progress, and then a panel which will include Alfred Desaius, uh, who is the UN um, ex independent expert on global order, and uh, Pavel Luksha on education for planetary consciousness, and then Professor Case van der Pyle, and he scores for revolution from the ground up which is surely what we need, because the revolution is not coming from the top down. Well, thank you so much, David Lorimer, for joining us and co-hosting this important special program. So let's go over now to your introduction of Irvin Laszlo, and then Dr. Laszlo's discussion of his vision and that of the great upshift. My guest today is Professor Irvin Laszlo, who I've known for many years. Irvin spent his childhood in Budapest and, and was a celebrated child prodigy on the piano with public appearances from the age of nine. He received a grand prize at the International Music Competition at Geneva, which meant he could leave Hungary and begin an international concert career, first in Europe and then in America. Shifting to the life of a philosopher and systems scientist, he's lectured at various universities in the US, including Yale and Princeton. He's the founder and president of both the Club of Budapest and the Laszlo Institute for New Paradigm Research. He's the author, co-author, or editor of over 100 books that have been published in a total of 25 languages. Irvin Laszlo has also written several hundred papers and articles in scientific journals and popular magazines. And he's a member of numerous scientific bodies, including the International Academy of Science, the World Academy of Arts and Science, the International Academy of Philosophy of Science, and the International Medici Academy. And he was elected a member of the Hungarian Academy of Science in 2010. Irvin was awarded the Sorbonne's highest degree, the Doctorat et Lettres et Sciences Humaines, in 1970, and has received honorary PhDs from the United States, Canada, Finland, and Hungary. He was the recipient of the Peace Prize of Japan, the Goy Award, in 2001 of the International Mandia Peace Prize of Assisi in 2005 and of the Luxembourg World Peace Prize in 2017 and was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize in 2004 and 2005. 
Thank you so much, David Lorimer. And now over to Irvin Laszlo. So you asked me to talk a little bit about the upshift. The upshift is my dedication, my mission. Some people will say my hobby, but it is what I believe in that is coming to come. It's our deliverance. It's our salvation. Because going the way we have been going would be suicidal. We will always only increase tensions. The, the environment will continue to deteriorate less and less. Peace will be on Earth, more and more conflict culminating in war. God knows in what kind of situation we will find ourselves. We are full of tipping points. Tipping points where irreversible processes may be starting. This is not an assured existence on this planet. Humanity is a very complex species. It's a tremendously accomplished species due to one thing above all. That one thing is called consciousness. I do believe that all things have consciousness, but not all things have this ability to reflect on their consciousness, to understand that they are conscious and that their consciousness could be a factor in how they behave, just as their behavior is a factor in the future that we have, that we all have. This is a participatory and living universe, not a chance-ridden universe, universe. Random processes would never have brought about this level of articulation and coherence as we find in the universe as a whole. It all started 13.7 or 8 billion years ago, with a singularity which may be just the beginning of a new phase or maybe something completely new. But anyway, what we live on, live in now, is an evolution that started at that point. And it keeps going. And this evolution is toward coherence, is toward integration, is toward pulling together various elements into wholes. All seems very, very spiritual. How come the universe is so spiritual? Well, it is. Einstein said it very clearly. The greatest miracle is that the universe is so coherent and that it is quasi-miraculous itself. You can live your life as if everything is a miracle or as if nothing is. We used to think nothing is a miracle. Now we're beginning to see that everything is and we are beginning to understand some of that miracle. Our job is to put that understanding to work. We are one species among many on a system we call now called Gaia. It's a system of life on the planet. It's a system of which you are a part. We were born in the womb of that system. And that is our, that is our mother system. That is the, our, our nurturing system. In this system, we either become part of it, a positive, constructive part, or we risk our extinction. Not only do we risk our extinction, risk our extinction of our higher forms of life, we have a mission in front of us, a mission to preserve this species. And to do so, we need to make use of that unique feature, which is reflective, self-reflective, self-mapping, consciousness. 
consciousness that we are conscious and that we are an agent of what happens in this world. We used to think that everything is due to mechanical laws, eternal laws, the four basic shifts, so four basic interactions in the universe, the laws, causality, electromagnetism, and strong and weak interactions, that these laws are all there is, and those are eternal. And everything else follows on that basis. Well, it, there is more to it. There is more to it. There is a, a vector, a difference, a direction in the universe. And this direction, it takes it from those random surfs of, of perfect gases, non-interactive gases that were present as the only thing on this space and time that we call the, our universe. From that moment of total chaos, total randomness, toward the, a, a universe that has coherence, that has oneness, and that is, brings together its elements in ever larger, ever more conclusive folds. If you realize that we are part of that, we look at ourselves and of our universe very, very different eyes. We are not a mechanical chance byproduct of a world that is a mindless world in which there is no sense for talking about mind and consciousness and spirit. That is not the case. The case is that you, this is a conscious universe, a participatory universe. Perhaps, perhaps the whole universe is a cosmic consciousness. Certainly James Jeans, well over 100 years ago, the famous astronomer said that this universe appears to be more like a big thought than like a big rock. And that was well over 100 years ago. That was before the quantum sciences. Now we know, indeed, this universe is very much like a big thought. It's like a big consciousness. We are a part of it. If we want to survive in this world, the key to survival is to recognize who we are, how we relate to the world, how we can interact with the world, how we can behave mistakenly by trying to just get outside of the natural limits, outside of the natural impetus toward wholeness and oneness and coherence, just looking at our own ideas, our own immediate benefits, and disregarding the rest. How we do that, how we degenerate the world around us, how we create more and more conflict, more and more unrest, and ultimately breakdowns. That is the current trend, and that has to be reversed. That has to be upshifted. The upshift comes from conscious evolution. Evolution that is infused by consciousness. Because we are conscious, and our consciousness is a part of the universal consciousness, the cosmic consciousness. This is not just religion. It is not just pure spirituality. It is the new cosmology, the new quantum cosmology. If you ask me what there is in this world, in this universe, I would say there is information based on the conscious processing of prior information, ever more information, ever on higher and higher levels. That is a tremendous accomplishment to recognize this and to become a part of it. That is a mission. That is our duty. In my books, I try to make clear that 
this conception is not dreaming, is not just spiritual imagination. It is the deepest reality that we can confront. It's supported by science, is the poor supported by spirituality as a lived experience? We are all spiritual beings because we are part of a quantum universe. I consider it my sacred duty to make clear that our consciousness is part of the consciousness of the cosmos and that it is our duty to bring that consciousness to work to work on behalf of not only humanity, but of all life, because life is a precious accomplishment, and life on the Gaia system on this planet is one of the rare, probably rare, but not, certainly not unique features of the universe as it has evolved from the Big Bang to the day in which we now live. How do we evolve further? We can evolve by going through the current trend, which is toward conflict, which is toward breakdown, which is toward short-term thinking, and ultimately selfishness that cannot be satisfied because we destroy the very, very world that we are trying to act on. Or we can put ourselves back in place where we are, a unique being, a conscious being in a conscious universe. If we do that, then that is the key to our survival. That is the key to finding the way forward. I like to talk about the roadmaps. There is a roadmap. There are sets of roadmaps. <clears throat> how we behave, how we create this world, but all of it hinges on how we think of ourselves, our mindset, our recognition of who we are. Upshift the world, you have to, for that, you have to upshift yourself. It's all possible. It can be done. Let's do it. Not only it's for our own interest, it's the interest of the Gaia, of, the, of life on Earth. And because life on Earth is a precious accomplishment of the universe, it is of cosmic interest. I hope you will join me in looking at this possibility of upshifting by becoming part of a conscious universe. Well, thank you so much, David Lorimer, for that introduction of Dr. Irvin Laszlo. And thank you, Dr. Laszlo, for that deep, comprehensive, and inspiring summary of your vision and mission and the message of the great upshift. Now, before we go over to hear from Dr. David Lorimer further discussing the great upshift with six noted contributors to the book, we want to highlight that into 2024, after the December Galileo Commission event concerning the Great Upshift, there'll be another important international event in February 2024, sponsored by a collaborative of international impact networks. And we have with us from that upcoming event, Ben Bowler, the executive director of Unity Earth, one of the sponsoring networks and the principal event planner, along with Dr. Robert Atkinson, who has been working closely with Irvin Laszlo in connection with the upcoming 2024 event and its foundational documents. Now, Bob is a three-time Nautilus Award-winning author for his books, The Story of Our Time and The New Story of Wholeness, and was for the Light on Light Press an editor for David Lorimer and Dr. Laszlo's book, The Great Upshift. 
and Ben, by the way, is also one of the founders of this series on Voice America. So Ben, tell us about the February event. Who are the impact networks that are involved? What is the title of the event? And what is the overall vision and mission? Well, thank you, Dr. Kurt Johnson. And first and foremost, it's wonderful to be back here with you on the Voice America series. Must be now into our eighth year or so, or seventh or eighth year of this program, Kurt, which is a great achievement. Um, this event coming up in February is unique and very exciting because it's bringing together the spirit of collaboration in a way we've never really quite done before, certainly for this kind of symposium. For the last few years, Unity Earth has been running a February symposium event. Um, but what's different about this is that deep collaborative aspect of those impact networks coming together, as you referenced. So this is bringing together the upshift movement with the hollow movement. Um, together with the evolutionary leaders, uh, source of synergy, together with the connection field, together with one world, together with light on light, uh, unity earth, unify, um, and many other organizations that are coming together, the sign network. Um, and this is about what could we do together acting as one super organism. And uh, it's really exciting. We're learning a lot. Uh, there's definitely um, a different way of, of organizing and operating uh, that is, in a sense, being pioneered by this February event. It's called Awakening to Humanity's Sacred Mission, an international symposium and call to action. And it's inspired by Irvin Laszlo's call for a response to this uh, um, Awakening to Humanity's Sacred Mission. Uh, Irvin's been very strong about this idea that it's time for us to step forward into humanity's sacred mission. So we'll be um, having speakers and uh, uh, discussions from you know luminaries right around the world coming together with communities to discuss and explore how do we better uh, step forward into this collective sacred mission for humanity. Very exciting. That's the overall mission. It's very much around people stepping into these calls to actions. You know, the emerging hollow movement has got an invitation for people. Uh, One World has got invitations as well as the connection field. And all of these impact networks are going to be offering the audience and the participants very practical invitations into how to get more involved in what is are taking place right across the calendar in 2024. So in a way, it's a mustering event at the start, near the start of the year to really onboard and enlist uh, more people into this great transformational work that's been done by so many organizations and now these emerging clusters of impact networks, which I've got to say to you, Kurt, you're a master of weaving together and holding space for all of them to connect and to collaborate and to cooperate. So very excited about that and uh, looking forward to everyone's participation. February 9 to 11, that is the Lunar New Year as we enter into the Chinese calendar into the Year of the Dragon. So it's a very auspicious time and uh, we look forward to seeing everybody then and finding ways to further activate uh, individuals and our collective uh, sacred mission for humanity. Now, Ben, thanks so much. And we're going to be bringing Ben back later to close out the program with us after we've heard from a number of the book's renowned contributors. And then Ben's also going to share with us the seven-point upshift manifesto, which is a part of the great upshift book and its important message. So now, Dr. Robert Atkinson, tell us a bit more about the content, vision, and mission of the February event 
based on your collaboration with Dr. Laszlo on the foundational documents for the program. Thank you, Kurt. It's great to be with you on Voice America. <clears throat> and it's a great honor to be part of this initiative inaugurated by Irvin Laszlo and carried out by so many partner organizations. This symposium, I think, is really a fitting capstone to Irvin's remarkable life work. He couldn't have chosen a more appropriate theme than awakening to humanity's sacred mission. This theme is really intended to reawaken all 8 billion of us on the planet now to what the first peoples intuitively understood and lived by when their unitive narratives held them together as one and kept them personally and collectively in alignment with the natural forces and flow all around them. Harmony, cooperation, unity, and peace were the watchwords that organized and directed their lives. This commitment and focus is what is needed today. We hope the symposium in February will help focus our collective energies on what is most critical, not just humanity's survival, but humanity's thriving well into the future. A couple of opening position papers set a context for exploring this theme and offer a riverbed for the presentations to flow in. They intend to inspire and stimulate deeper consultation on this topic throughout the symposium and importantly, across disciplines. We want the symposium to show how our ways of knowing are all interconnected, that they are, that they are different approaches to getting different approaches as um, ways of knowing we are all interconnected. And, and getting to know the same reality. So we're looking at humanity's sacred mission from the perspective of both science and spirituality to show their harmony and complementarity in truly understanding the wholeness of reality. Running deep throughout humanity's spiritual heritage is a continuous thread of cooperation and harmony as expressed in the universal golden rule. Around the end of the 19th century, this understanding really began to be manifested in the world through the first convening of the parliament of the world's religions in 1893. By the end of the 20th century, Brother Wayne Teasdale saw a shift in consciousness that brought about an interdependence of all spiritual traditions and an emerging unitive consciousness that was available to all. Over the following couple of decades, it has become even clearer that not only have there been periodic leaps of consciousness, but that at the heart of all mysticisms, these all connect as all sacred traditions are within a single evolutionary flow. So in our time, humanity is ushering in the unitive age, a new earth, in which we will see the emergence of harmony, coherence, and unity on a global scale. A parallel evolutionary process and understanding has been unfolding in science as well. Science has recently uncovered evidence of non-locality and entanglement 
confirming what many spiritual traditions have said for centuries, that the entire creation is the fullest embodiment of wholeness. Science and spirituality not only agree on the biggest questions of existence, but also make humanity's sacred mission even more so because of their convergence. So this symposium will be distinguished by a diversity of viewpoints coming together to illustrate how science and spirituality as complementary halves of the same whole, both help us to understand the mysteries of our universe more fully, identify the single force guiding evolution toward wholeness, and to live in harmony with the reality of the interconnectedness of all things. We look forward to everyone listening, joining us in Humanity's Sacred Mission Symposium in February. Well, thanks so much, Ben Bowler and Robert Atkinson. Wow, inspiring and informative. And Ben, thank you again for joining us later in the program. So let's go over now to David Lorimer for his discussions with six noted contributors to the Great Upshift book. We're going to start with David Lorimer speaking with Dr. Jude Curavan and then Dr. Anilo Smitsman. Full bios for these noted guests are at the Voice America show page. So David Lorimer will introduce each one of them sequentially to speak about their contribution to the Great Upshift book. My name is David Lorimer, and I'm here with my friend, Dr. Jude Caravan, who's a cosmologist, futurist, planetary healer, and an award-winning author. And her most recent book is The Story of Gaia, and she's a contributor to The Great Upshift. And her title in The Great Upshift is about a conscious, not evolution or revolution, but revolution. So something which combines revolution with evolution. Perhaps you could explain what you mean by that, Jude. Thank you, David. I think you've expressed it perfectly. It's that combination. It's that both and. It's both an evolutionary process for humanity, it seems to me, which is the great upshift. It's the way we see ourselves and the world undergoing a major transformation. Of course, because it is potentially so transformational, it's a re it's a revolution. And as in all revolutions, we don't know what lies the other side of it. And so my chapter really is, is both understanding perhaps why this can happen here and now, what in what way perhaps therefore we can respond to the evolutionary impulse that's flowing through us, flowing through the whole of humanity. So my chapter's really about, first of all, the convergence of leading edge science with universal wisdom teachings, spiritually based teachings at the moment that, you know, the scientific evidence at all scales of existence and across numerous fields of research that are turning the old scientific paradigm and materialism and separation on its head. They are putting it literally into a completely different perspective. And instead of a, a, an essentially dead, meaningless universe whose um, journey from simplicity to complexity has been essentially accidental and based on random uh, mutations, instead is revealing a universe that meaningfully exists and purposefully evolves from simplicity to complexity and does so as a wholly and non-locally unified entity and where mind and consciousness aren't something we have but literally what we and the whole world are. 
So this of itself is such an extraordinary um, potential for us to see ourselves, to experience ourselves in utterly different ways than certainly we in the West over the last few hundred years have done so. And it's also enabling us to bring back into our existence, our lives, the understanding that we too are therefore meaningful and purposeful. We are microcosmic co-creators of a living universe. So for me, especially for our younger people, this is underpinning and framing. This can underpin and frame and ground us in transformational, revolutionary change. And it also offers us authentic hope and invites us in realizing we're inseparable to heal our relationships and the traumas that have come from separation or the illusion of separation into a healed and holistic understanding of our whole being. And then what an incredible invite from our universe into this revolutionary adventure. Indeed. And so it's like enacting a new story, isn't it? Um, because the old story, the materialistic mechanistic story is now being transcended for exactly the reasons you express. Uh, and so we need a, a revolution in consciousness and a conscious evolution at the same time. Yes. And the, and the wonder of it is, the beauty of it is we, we have the opportunity for the both end of that. And as you say, David, you know, we're a story sharing, a storytelling species. And the stories we've been telling have been disempowering of us and our potential and the reality of, of, of the nature of, of our universe. Now, this new story, and I would suggest that it, it goes even a deeper level. It forms a, a, a new narrative because underlying narratives are where our stories emerge from and arise from. And this now is a unitive narrative and a unitive narrative that, as I mentioned, converges with universal wisdom teachings. And it invites us, therefore, into unitive action. It naturally embraces unitive values and principles of wholeness and belonging, but it also empowers us to undertake transformational change in the world on the basis of, for example, unitive economics, unitive education, unitive justice. You know, stick unitive in front of everything. And I think this is what this opportunity <laughs> is inviting us into. Um, and that's why I think this is such an incredible moment. And this is why the great upshift is so timely. As Irvin has always said, and as we've also said in, in books we've helped work together on, you know, this is our collective moment of choice. And and it's the it's the evolutionary opportunity that, that we have um to move into this new story and really empower the next generation, you know, to come with us rather than feeling that we're we're facing the end of the world. Absolutely. For me, the the authentic hope that this offers, and especially to young people, is perhaps the greatest gift that the universe is offering us by enabling us to, to, to see this revelatory new understanding and, and ground it and base it on hard, good, solid, consensual evidence. But I think one thing it does invite us to do as well is is to appreciate that that we're we're entering an adventure that we've never entered before. And therefore, you know, we're not able to say it's going to be like this, it's going to be like that. So for me, it's been more about us coming together to link up and lift up together with this, this, this emergent understanding 
in ways that we can be mutually supportive of, the ways we can we can come together to heal and go forward together. But it, we go forward not in an impositional way or a prescriptive way. We almost go forward as as children with the awe and the wonder of this potentiality. And so to attune with its impulse, to attune with its possibilities, to align with them. And also, of course, this other, the, the, for me, what is so important about this conscious universe understanding is that it's also multidimensional, which spiritual traditions have taught us for as long as we we know of them and indigenous teachings too. So this is a multidimensional universe of abundance and possibility and sentience. So we are children in this new universe. Well, it I think us that's to a very learn. exciting. It's a very <laughs> exciting prospect and we're all going to be co-creating it together. That Thank is you very much, Jude. Thank you, David. My name's David Lorimer and I'm here with my friend Annelise Smitsman, who's a futurist, systems scientist, entrepreneur, and an award-winning pioneer in human development and systems change. She's specifically the founder of Earthwise Center and the architect of Earthwise Constitution and Game. And she's going to read a short passage from her essay in The Great Upshift, The Upshift Quest for a New Paradigm World, uh, about the meta-crisis. And I think this will give a very good context for our discussion. Thanks very much, uh, David, and uh, here we go. <laughs> so in the book, what we discuss in that particular chapter is really how to embrace the, the meta crisis and to understand that we are now in tipping point time. So here's a, a sh very short uh, section from that chapter. Tipping points create nonlinear change dynamics that can radically shift the structures of reality as we know it. When the caterpillar reaches its limits to growth, its metamorphic transformation becomes a tipping point for the emerging butterfly. In similar ways, humanity has reached its limit to exponential growth. Although we cannot compare the planetary crisis to the metamorphosis of a caterpillar, there are sense-making perspectives that can help us approach the meta-crisis in a transformational way. The call for systemic transformation is very loud and clear. And what we can learn from the caterpillar about its metamorphic transformation for becoming a species with a lighter footprint is all about how we can embrace our own metamorphosis to mature as a planetary conscious species. Like the caterpillar, we have no idea what it means to experience life from a butterfly perspective. During systemic transitions, when the old structures of the caterpillar world are dissolving and the new structures and sensory organs of the butterfly have not yet fully formed, life may seem unclear as well as uncertain. And during this mushy phase, it's important that we allow ourselves to cocoon, to grow the new connective structures and sensory organs of our future potential. Only then do we become our evolutionary next step. The meta-crisis is the onset of our metamorphic transformation. And this is precisely why I believe there is reason for active hope. Because for the very first time in human history, people from all over the world now can directly get involved in the making of an entirely new civilization. And as well, our technologies and science have now advanced to the point that we can actually biomimic and cosmomimic nature's genius and apply this to our societal development. 
but it requires, of course, that we apply the wisdom of living systems so that we can create economies that operate as thriving learning ecosystems, political systems that operate as planetary neural networks, cultures that operate as planetary sensory organs, and educational systems that operate as nurseries for actualizing our collective intelligence potential. The matter crisis is the quest of our time to become the solutionaries for a thriving world and future. We too are sense-making organs of Gaia, our planet. Our life-given human capacities are precisely tuned for us to create meaning from information and wisdom from knowledge. Our bodies are part of Gaia's vast intelligence and her evolutionary process. With a myriad of bacteria and viruses inside us, our bodies are like a planet. And within us live entire galaxies teeming with life. When you allow yourself to relax into unitive consciousness, your experience of the world and reality can profoundly shift. You may then experience how the universe, from its smallest elements to its vast galaxies, is a living network of relationships with infinite creative potential. We are that universe. Life is fractal. We are part of a universe of consciousness that is alive with meaning and has an innate directionality towards wholeness. Do not try to solve the matter crisis. Instead, enter into it. Embrace it. Let yourself become part of it. Go deeper into the heartbeat of life. Experience yourself as life. Become receptive to the wisdom of our universe and allow this wisdom to upshift your perspective, your understanding, and your response. Now solutions can emerge that are integral and transformative, and not based on trying to fix a problem. Thank you very much, Annelise. Wise words indeed. And, and we need to uh, experience our era and in exactly the way that you suggest, and to live through it and come out the other side. Thank you very much. <laughs> I agree. My name's David Lorimer, and I'm here with my friend uh, Charles Eisenstein to talk about two stories of progress uh, for the Great Upshift launch, which we're running at the end of this month. Uh, so, Charles, perhaps you could explain to our listeners know how you distinguish between these two stories of progress, uh, one sort of stressing control and the other and triumph over nature and, and the other, which I think you see as some green shoots uh, involving the further unfolding of life, beauty and complexity. So so the dominant story of progress that that I grew up in was, it's pretty familiar to everybody, it's the idea that our um, that we're coming into greater and greater mastery over nature through science, which furthers our understanding, and through technology, which furthers our control, and also through the uh, internalization of science in the form of reason, where we are no longer, this is another aspect to that progress, that we're no longer slaves to our animal passions, but we are rising above uh materiality, we're rising above subjugation to external forces, we're becoming, as Descartes put it, the lords and possessors of nature. And, and we've kind of taken that for granted. And that story was very strong when it looked like it was working pretty well. 
and that we were indeed reaping the fruits of that notion of progress. We were progressing, you know, things were getting better. It, like mid-century, mid-20th century, it really did look like that, although far-sighted people were already uh, having questions. Uh, today, that story of progress way control is really falling apart and and because simply be, because the results have not been we have not uh, achieved the paradise that we were promised so that failure and also i would say a you know to, to okay so that i'll finish that sentence first that failure is prompting us to to um, question that narrative and to reconceive what progress even is. That process of, of, you could call it an initiatory failure, is itself part of a larger conception of progress that includes a failure, uh, that includes the mighty attempt to take heaven by storm, the mighty attempt to subjugate reality, to abolish mystery, to abolish uh, uncertainty, to, to bring everything within the grasp of the human being, and to meet the failure of that. that. That is itself part of an evolutionary process, where we become humble, we become wise, we learn the limits of that type of progress, because in a certain sense, we have made progress. I mean, we can do incredible things that that our ancestors could not have imagined. Like, we can't deny that that we can work miracles in the material world, things that would have been seemed like miracles in the past. So it's not that that the whole notion of progress is wrong, but we recognize its limitations, what it can achieve and what it can't achieve. Well, if and I just come in what, there for a moment, uh, Charles, yeah. it reminds me of um, E.F. Schumacher, who said that humanity is now too clever to survive without wisdom. And that seems right. to be the point we've got to. Yes. Yeah, because our, our, our you know, exuberant toys were not powerful enough to cause global damage. We didn't have nuclear weapons. You know, we didn't have... Uh, the ability to destroy entire ecosystems. Although we got a pretty good start. You know, the ancient cultures actually did destroy a lot of ecosystems. But now, you know, it's at an industrial scale. So, yeah. Uh, and so so all of this is bringing us to reconsider what progress is. And, and the humility that comes from failure allows us to recognize that there are creative processes, meaningful creative processes, that are beyond the human being. And so when we no longer see ourselves as the sole possessors of intelligence and the imposers of order onto chaos, but when we understand that, that the universe is itself alive and that it tends toward complexity on its own, tends toward order on its own, then our role changes. And we ask how we can participate in the further unfolding of this complexity in the most beautiful way. 
How do we make the world more alive? How do we make the world more beautiful? How do we relate to all of the other intelligences and the intelligence of the world itself in a constructive way? So it's a, it's a it's not just you know a different theory of progress. It rests on a different metaphysics and a different understanding of what even a human being is. Totally, <clears throat> and and it it's a kind of watershed between the, the age of separation and the age of reunion, as you would put it, and the technologies of reunion that you talk about. And, and I think that's a wonderful note to end on, Charles. Um, the idea these are our, the green shoots of unreasonable hope, as you say, uh, <clears throat> and that we can collectively mature and go forward on a different basis and different understanding of the human being with an element of the sacred um, rather than treating ourselves as machines. Yes, that's well said, David. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. My name's David Lorimer, and I'm here with my friend Natalie Zaituni to talk about ensoulment. And I'm going to begin by reading a passage from her essay in The Great Upshift on the ensoulment of reality. And she says this, the more humanity invests in scientific, industrial, and technological realities, which are external constructs, the less humanity devotes itself to inner, embodied, biological, psychological, soulful capacities and extrasensory perception. Slowly but surely, our life force is migrating away from our body, away from our feelings, away from our sensations, from our relations, from our soul, our planet, away from our collective ancient ensouled wisdom. Who are we becoming? Can we create an ecologically flourishing future that serves nature, culture, technology, and all life? Yes, we can. Well, Natalie, <laughs> that's a very encouraging uh, <laughs> statement, you know, that we can do this. Um, but of course, the context of your ensoulment um, is exactly this imbalance that we are investing ourselves too fully in in the outer and the technological. Uh, so, what's your your take on our overall situation? Yes, hello everybody. My name is Natalie Zaituni, and uh, the body of wisdom that uh, David is referring to is called ensoulment. Insolment, like embodiment, is the ongoing process of discovering, connecting, and expressing in the physical form, in the physical realm, the soul. The soul of a person, the soul of a relationship, the soul of a country, the soul of life. And this is the journey we are on. We are in an infinite journey to ensoul ourselves, our communities, our countries, the world, and the cosmos. So it's a profound body of wisdom that has been um, transmitted, and I've been writing about it for the last 10 years. And the way I see it, there is a very interesting process that is happening with the soul of the world. The soul of the world is the cosmic, global embodiment of everything that exists as we see it, as we know it, and beyond. So the, the whole world, the anima mundi, has a soul, and that soul is, is basically exploring, discovering itself, expressing itself. 
a big part of our evolution on this planet is moving toward a scientific, medical, uh, technological exploration in order to expand what we know about ourselves and what we know about the world. And with this knowledge that we have accumulated the last thousands of years, it started with the um, realizations and the revelations of mathematics and physics and chemistry. So we're talking about thousands of years old, the mystics and the alchemists, they already started this process. So we are now 2023, almost 2024. There's an evolutionary impulse that's moving through humanity because the whole of humanity has a soul. The whole of the planet, Earth, and nature has a soul. And there's an evolutionary impulse that is moving toward greater, deeper, wider ways of knowing. And through this knowing, this is what we're seeing right now with AI and AGI, we're constructing realities with this knowing. So there is this movement, and this movement is necessary for evolution. We cannot just say, well, let's leave technology behind. Let's go back to the Stone Age. Let's go back. We're not going back. It's like you, once you graduated first, second, third grade, you don't go back. I mean, you could go back and sit in the little chairs with your little teacher. You could, but that's not where you're headed. So there is this evolutionary impulse for deeper, higher, broader ways of knowing how to create realities. And this is what the second book of installment is talking about. I believe we are at the prefaces, we are at a, at a point in time, in evolutionary time, where we are creating realities, we're observing the realities we are creating, and we're even programming them to fine-tune the realities we are creating. And we're doing it regardless if we build technology of, or if we don't. So we are basically reality-creating, reality-inhabiting, reality-experiencing beings. We are embodied souls that are creating realities and living inside realities and being creative inside of these realities. This is who we are, really. When we connect with this frequency of the soul and we install everything we come in touch with, Either it's our medical system, scientific system, technological system. When we do that, then a thriving earth, a thriving ecosystem is available. Uh, and I think you're absolutely right that we need to come from that soulful part of ourselves. Uh, we need to move into an upshifted consciousness uh, and operate through our creative capacities and really rebalance ourselves on the inner and the outer and in, engage in this reality co-creation. So, Natalie, thank you so much for that contribution, and we will stay in touch. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. Well, thanks so much, David Lorimer, Charles Eisenstein, and Natalie Zaituni. Now, in the next discussion, David Lorimer will be speaking with Professor Alfred Desaius another noted contributor to the Great Upshift, who is the former United Nations Independent Expert on International Order, Chief of the Petitions Department at the Office of the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, and Secretary of the UN Human Rights Committee. And they'll be sharing about the nature of a just world order. So over now to David Lorimer and Alfred Desaius. 
My name's David Lorimer, and I'm here with Professor Alfred Desaias from Geneva, who's going to read us his statement about a just world order. And Alfred was the independent expert at the UN on international order between 2012 and 2018. So there's nobody better to make a statement of this kind. Alfred. Thank you very much, uh, David. Uh, dear participants uh, in this great uh, upshift uh, conference and consultation. Uh, it is with optimism that I welcome the launch of this important book with concrete, pragmatic, and implementable proposals. Doubtless, the world is in flux, and the global majority is gradually taking distance from the unipolar world that we knew after the collapse of the Soviet Union and the end of the Cold War. We are witnessing a growing reluctance on uh, the part of many countries, especially Latin America, Africa, and Asia, to follow the policies laid down by the United States. A slow process of de-dollarization of international trade is in progress, and it will no doubt continue for as long as the United States insists on weaponizing the dollar and using it as an instrument of pressure and blackmail. The consequences for the value of the dollar and for the prospects of the U.S. economy, of course, will be considerable. From Seneca, we know the maxim calamitas virtutis ocasio, a calamity, catastrophe, or major change is an opportunity to show one's mettle. Thus, it is up to us to be the change that we want, to depart from the old imperialist and colonialist mindset and embrace a world of multipolarism, multilateralism, and international solidarity. This is not mere rhetoric. It is our duty to make sure that the wars in Ukraine, Palestine, and elsewhere end through diplomatic negotiation, and that a modus vivendi is crafted that will be sustainable. Such a world is possible, as we know from the World Social Forum, Porto Alegre, Agenda 21, from the commitment to save the environment, from the many initiatives of intergovernmental organizations and non-governmental organizations, to tackle the problems of global warming and pandemics. Indeed, we have a generous world constitution in the form of the United Nations Charter. And we should recommit to the overarching principles of the UN Charter, peace as a human right, peace among nations and cultures. We should reject the concept of a clash of civilizations and embrace instead the concept of international solidarity. We must reaffirm the right of self-determination of all peoples and reject interference in the internal affairs of other nations. We must rediscover the spirituality of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. At the same time, we should not be naive. We must all be aware of the considerable obstacles to any kind of change. Entrenched economic interests have an enormous inertia, and they are reluctant to entertain adventures that might endanger their profits. 
I do not think that there is added value in the so-called Great Reset launched by the World Economic Forum in Davos. I tend to agree with Elon Musk that, quote, the World Economic Forum is increasingly becoming an unelected world government that the people never asked for and don't want, unquote. Uh, as the book that we are launching demonstrates, there is no lack of good ideas, but we do know from experience that there are facts without consequences and books without follow-up. We would have thought that the many books by Noam Chomsky would have impacted Washington and Brussels and persuaded them uh, that they were pursuing destructive and often criminal policies. We would have thought that Stephen Kinzer's book, Overthrow, would have dissuaded Washington from policies of financing so-called color revolutions and regime change. We would have expected that the brilliant analysis by John Mersheimer in his book, The Great uh, Delusion, would have put the neocons in Washington out of business. We would have hoped that Norman Finkelstein's book, Gaza, uh, would have had a preventative effect and led to a constructive arrangement between the Israelis and the Palestinians. The many books by professors Richard Falk, Francis Boyle, Jeffrey Sachs have given us excellent blueprints for the future. In a larger sense, we would have hoped and prayed that uh, Wilfred Owens and Siegfried Sassoon's poetry would have dampened our addiction to war, that George Orwell's and Aldous Huxley's warnings would have prevented our descent uh, into totalitarianism. Alas, uh, the military, industrial, financial, digital establishment does not want to implement any of the proposals that the world needs. In my function as UN independent expert on international order in the years 2012 to 18, I produced 14 reports for the UN General Assembly and for the Human Rights Council. I issued more than a hundred media statements, press releases, and info notes. I participated in conferences and constitutions in many countries. I arrived at the conclusion that we rapporteurs are an assembly of Cassandras, and that our reports are politely received, but then very quickly filed away and forgotten. There's no follow-up whatever for our recommendations. My 25 principles of international order, which I presented to the Human Rights Council in March 2018 and further developed in chapter two of my book, Building a Just World Order, did not have any effect. In fact, they were largely ignored. Only some progressive NGOs like the uh, Geneva International Peace Research Institute uh, and um, my students at the Geneva School of Diplomacy and at the University of uh, Geneva have found added value uh, in them. Like everywhere in human affairs, peace and progress depend 
on identifying the right priorities and pursuing coherent policies to achieve them. Principles uh, of global order alone will not succeed in saving the world from apocalypse. We must win the disinformation war, formulate a plan of action with concrete pragmatic measures, and we must reclaim democracy day by day, step by step. Let me end by endorsing the seven-point upshift manifesto and wish all participants in this conference fortitude and endurance. Allow me to end with Ovidius's maxim from Exponto, guta cavat lapidem, uh, the drop will yet perforate the stone. In this sense, we must persevere and push back against all political kitsch that our governments serve to us every day. As Horatius urged us to do sapere aude, this is an imperative, and it means we must think for ourselves and stand up for our convictions. Thank you. Thank you so much, Alfred, for that very powerful and inspiring and indeed practical statement, which I'm sure people will find extremely helpful. Well, thank you so much, David Lorimer and Professor Alfred Desias, for closing out these discussions with great Upshift contributors. And special thanks to David Lorimer and Irvin Laszlo for bringing them together for this important book, The Great Upshift, and for this special On Voice America. Both of these recent books, The Survival Imperative, Upshifting to Conscious Evolution, and The Great Upshift, Humanity's Coming Advance Toward Peace and Harmony on the Planet, Roadmaps for Planetary Activists, are available at all of your booksellers. And you'll find the Amazon links for them in the program description at the Voice America show page where you just joined us. So be sure and check out those links. So now Ben Bowler, Executive Director of Unity Earth, and actually a co-founder as well of this Voice America series, is joining us again to close out the program and especially to share with us the seven-point upshift manifesto, whose message is a powerful capstone to the vision of this book and these international events. So Ben, first summarize a bit what inspires you about both the December Galileo Commission event on the Great Upshift and then your upcoming February event, Awakening to Humanity's Sacred Mission, an international symposium and call to action, and then share with us the Great Upshift's seven-point manifesto. Oh, thank you, Kurt. Uh, fantastic program. Um, firstly, congratulations uh, to David Lorimer and everybody uh, at the December event of the Galileo Commission. Um, fantastic work, really taking the wisdom and uh, the knowledge from uh, from the book, from the Great Upshift book, uh, and bringing it out further into the public domain, which is so important. And it's all part of, you know, continuing in this peace, unity, harmony movement to uh, organize uh, more effectively and uh, to really uh, be, be more efficient with our um, strategies and with our ability to go forward and to affect this change that we're all here and called to, to take part in. It's a really exciting time, you know, coming to the end of one calendar year, getting ready for everything that's coming down the line in 2024. We all know it's a tremendously challenging time in every way all around the world. And at the same time, you see these remarkable and beautiful green shoots coming through 
um, that just give so much hope and inspiration. There are millions and tens of millions and hundreds of millions of people that are ready to respond to this call uh, to, to be about humanity's sacred mission together, not under one banner, um, but under the collective banners of all the different initiatives and platforms and impact networks that are coming together in this great ecosystem of awakening. It's really quite beautiful, quite spectacular, and very exciting for us to be able to join shoulder to shoulder, heart to heart, hand to hand, um, putting our shoulders to the great wheel of evolution. Uh, and this is really what these events are about, this December Galilea Commission event, uh, as well as the February uh, Awakening to Humanity's Sacred Mission event, which is ultimately a call to action for us to come together to take radical collaboration and to become more effective in becoming a system of influence on the planet that can literally change the course of history. So it is with great excitement and enthusiasm and with a sense of the moment that we transition from one year into the next, knowing that this year, 2024, will uh, portent great changes as we can come together even greater ways uh, with more resources at larger scale to be about this great work together. It's my honor to share with you the great Upshift Seven Point Upshift Manifesto. Uh, and this is really, you know, coming out of uh, the recent book and uh, is something that's really laying the foundation for a humanity sacred mission going forward. Uh, the first point, we are nearly 8 billion humans on the planet. Um, are we to be a community of 8 billion humans living in peace and harmony? Or will we be a set of 8 billion stressed and depressed individuals fighting wars and facing intolerable conditions? We are at a critical decision point. Two, humanity's descent into crisis and chaos is not fated. We can upshift the way we evolve on Earth. Every war and aggression Every climate catastrophe, every migrant emergency can reinforce our resolve to find our way to peace and harmony. Three, the human community is awakening, a realization dawning among insightful individuals. We are not here by chance. Our consciousness endowed species is not and cannot have been the merely result of a, of a felicitous bend in a basically random twist of its evolution. There is a deeper purpose for humanity's existence. Four, this is not a randomly interacting universe. universe. It is an evolving and evolution generating cosmic quantum system under physical suitable conditions. Under physically suitable conditions, it tends to create complex and coherent systems and systems of systems. Humanity is a product of this evolution as it takes place on Earth. There is a force in nature that is behind our existence, the force of life. This is a universal impetus for creating complex and coherent systems, the systems we call conscious and living. Five. According to our current scientific paradigm, evolution took off in the universe 13.7 billion years ago in the aftermath of the Big Bang. It has been unfolding ever since. On Earth, it has created a planetary web of living systems endowed with various forms of levels of consciousness. We are part of this evolution. If we align with it, we promote the integrity of our body and contribute to the advance of our consciousness. Six, 
We have a choice before us and it is real and may be non-recurring. It is to upshift towards higher forms of life and higher forms of consciousness. The 35 chapters of the great upshift offered by as many international thought leaders ample provide testimony that an upshift to peace and harmony is achievable on this planet and show how we can achieve it. Seven, upshifting to a peaceful and cooperative world is more than a wise choice of individual behavior and collective policy. It is the choice to live up to our cosmic mission, a sacred mission. It is humanity's mission to safeguard and evolve life on earth. And by this token, to foster the advance of consciousness in the universe. Well, thank you so much, Ben Bowler, for sharing with us your concluding comments and the seven-point upshift manifesto from the great upshift by Irvin Laszlo and David Lorimer. As we wrap up this Voice America special, Humanity's Moment of Choice, The Great Upshift. So let's close out now with just a further reminder of humanity's moment of choice. Short message from the book that has inspired this Voice America series from the evolutionary leaders. The evolutionary leaders, Gold Nautilus, COVR, and Living Now award-winning book, our moment of choice, evolutionary visions, and hope for the future. So let's take a moment and listen to that short message from its publisher, Beyond Words, Simon and Schuster. Hello, this is Richard Cohn, publisher of Beyond Words. We are very honored to be partnering with Simon and Schuster and the Synergy Foundation to bring you a new thought-provoking book for these challenging times. It is called Our Moment of Choice and it features 43 of the world's most well-known spiritual thinkers, offering practical solutions to the most pressing problems of our time, from economic inequality and social injustice to climate change and spiritual disconnection. Deepak Chopra offers his thoughts on how our inherent wholeness is not a choice, while Greg Braden suggests that we can change our world by first realizing that none of us are separate from each other. Lynn McTaggart investigates the link between altruism and self-healing. Michael Bernard Beckwith, Bruce Lipton, and many others share their thoughts on moving forward in ways that expand our consciousness and benefit the global community. Our moment of choice calls on us all to be the co-creators of a just, unified, peaceful and thriving world. The time has come for all humanity to be united in purpose. This is our call to action. This is our collective moment of choice upon which our future depends. You can purchase your copy today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Beyond Words, or your local independent bookstore. Welcome back to the Convergence on Voice America, where you've been enjoying humanity's moment of choice, the great upshift, with guests Irvin Laszlo, David Lorimer, 
and six noted contributors to the Great Upshift book and the December 29th to 30th Galileo Commission online event for the Great Upshift. For that, you can find information directly at the Galileo Commission website, galileocommission.org, at lasloinstitute.com, and at these and other websites that are linked at the Voice America show page where you just joined us for this special program. And with regard to the February 2024 event, Awakening to Humanity's Sacred Mission, an international call to action, watch for that information at unity.earth, evolutionaryleaders.net, and lasloinstitute.com. Information also, which is at the Voice America show page. The Source of Synergy Foundation, whose Evolutionary Leaders Project sponsors this program on Voice America, along with Light on Light, the publisher of The Great Upshift, are so pleased to have brought you this Voice America special program. So let's wrap up with just a short reminder from the famed biologist and contributor to The Great Upshift book, Dr. Bruce H. Lipton, who reminds us that we need to not only look to the transformation of our world, but also to our own self-care and individual well-being. So especially as we celebrate this holiday season, let's take that balance that he speaks of to heart. So over now to Dr. Bruce Lipton. It's very interesting. In today's world, technology is moving so fast that they start to recognize maybe our technology is more powerful than we are. And especially when it comes to artificial intelligence and the idea is, oh my God, the machine can think better than you can think. And then they say, well, if it can think better than I can think, can I get connected to the machine so that the machine can think with me and for me? And this is called transhumanism, where you want to take on technology to replace what you already have, uh, because that technology seems so cool and so smart and I go look I come from a world of biology and the most important aspect of this biology is well we have life on this planet this biological mechanism is a translator of the environment the eyes translate the energy into visions of landscapes and everything we're looking at the ears translate vibration into the sound which could be music or noise or whatever it is uh, the taste buds take food and and the energy of that food is translated into taste and I go oh my god to visualize to taste to touch to smell to feel love and I go that's why we're here we came here to experience life and the body is an extension of that spirit because it is a translator of a world that spirit doesn't actually manifest in its own vision of energy. But this body translates that energy into pictures, sound, smell, taste, feelings. I go, wow. And then they say, well, yeah, but we could be smarter when we do transhumanism. I go, you missed the point. The point was to experience this planet. Do I want a machine to experience it? I have the machine. My machine is perfect. Do I need to expand it with computers? Hell no, because my brain's smarter than a computer anyway if I want to use it that way. So while the world is tied up with transhumanism and AI, artificial intelligence, like, okay, we can boost our intelligence, I go, is that why we're here? Is that, is that the feelings? 
Does, do you have artificial feelings that we can program? Can you program love into my body? I got, my body programs love, mind you, much better than a machine can do it. So the idea is this, understand your personal experience on this planet. We get so caught up in the details, the struggle for life, which is a false understanding from Darwin, because life is not a struggle, life is a creation. And do I need an artificial intelligence to create this? I say, no. I've created some of the most beautiful visions of my life by being in places like I got there for, why? Not because a computer took me there, because there's so much information coming in your body all the time. Every aspect of you walking through a field, the sea, the smell, the air, the oh, everything is like artificial. The real one is the great one. Why do I need to enhance that when I already have a body that can do better than any machine can do. And I want people to understand, please, we came here to have life experiences. If you can touch love, it's not coming from a machine, folks. It's coming from this body. Okay, it's a biological machine, but that's why I honor it. Because if you understand the nature of life, cells, genetics, and our experience on this planet, the destination of AI for me is like, what a waste of time. Go to the beach. That's what you should do sometime. Go out and enjoy a meal somewhere. That's what we're here for. Do I have to be the smartest person in the room? No, really. I just have to be the happiest person in the room. And that to me, resolution. So my simple point is this. Why should we look for transhumanism when your human body can do miracles that machines couldn't even think of doing? Use your body first. We'll talk AI in the future, but not now. Thank you so much, Dr. Bruce Lipton. And thank you, Urban Laszlo, David Lorimer, and all of our guests. And thanks to you, our listeners. We look forward to your participation in the Galileo Commission, December 29 to 30th online event just noted. And we'll be back to you soon in the new year with further information on the related February 2024 event, Awakening to Humanity's Sacred Mission, an international call to action. Let's all join together in this great upshift. Have a wonderful holiday season and a wonderful new year. <music>